Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. We are super blessed that you have taken time out of your day to join us here on Shouts of Grace Radio. If you are a first-time listener, we want to say welcome and let you know that we have about four and a half years worth of episodes, I think approaching about 200. You can go to shoutsofgraceradio.com and um, catch up on a whole host of topics, um, everything from unpacking certain scriptures to worldviews to just the basic discussions. And and if you don't know, um, Shouts of Grace is centered around discussion with different pastors and people around, friends of mine, and um, some in Utah, this is where we're based, some um, most out of the state, some even in, in a different country. And so um, we're just kind of sitting down as friends and just chatting as, as the Lord leads um, in the discussion. And so we're we're blessed that you could join us. And if you're a return listener, we want to say uh, welcome back and thank you for uh, your continued uh, listening support. And as always, we want to say thank you to Key Radio for the use of their studios here in Provo, Utah. Um, today I have a I have a friend, a newer friend, but a friend nonetheless, um, in studio, and his name is Willie Harath, right? Harath, Harath. It's the King James version of Harris. Harris. So it's, it's Harith. <laughs> Harith. Harith. <laughs> Willie Harath. Harath. Um, anyway, he's here. Um, Willie is 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 a believer. He's been a he's been a he's been a pastor for several years. He's um, an apologist. He's written some books. How many books? One book. Two books. It depends on which ones you count. Okay, we'll count them all. If <laughs> we count them all. About three or four. Three one, or four. One of them is a workbook. Oh, awesome. Well, yeah. anyway, we can get to that in a little bit. He's got a website, and we'll we'll, we'll kind of clue you in on that as well. But anyway, um, I thought I'd have you on the program today and have a couple of sessions because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're united and new friends, growing friends because, because our kids have an interest in one another, which is, you know, always, always, always a good thing when, when those days come. Um, but anyway, we met, we had dinner and I was just really fascinated by, um, something you were sharing. I, I enjoy apologetics. I kind of got my, my feet wet into Christianity, um, you know, had, had the wrong heart and God would change that, but just the interest of, of taking a stand for what is right and what is true in a world that rejects Jesus and all that is true um, is just uh, is, is always been a fascination of mine. So when you and I were talking, um, I just thought, man, I, I'd love to have you on the show. And so anyway, so so I thought what we would do since you kind of, you know, find find this arena fascinating as I do. Um, I thought maybe you can kind of kick us off because there's a lot of listeners that maybe don't understand what apologetics is and, and maybe, you know, that they're, they're, you know, might have some others that have a misunderstanding. Oh, that's where you put the gloves on and you, you go and you knock people out for the gospel's sake. And, you know, and you, you tell them how wrong they are and hold them down and choke them until they, you know, it's, it's really, you know, kind of a, a weird mentality, but, and there's others that maybe just kind of, um, don't know a whole lot other than, yeah, it's just talking for God or, or whatever. So maybe you can start by telling us what apologetics is and what it isn't. And then we can kind of transition into this thing that you've kind of uh, adopted, which I think is, is fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. This is really fun. I'm uh, excited I'm to blessed. be here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so apologetics, I would say that the number one scripture that is quoted when anybody talks about apologetics is 1 Peter 3.15. Let me read it for you real quick. It says, 
always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So that is the essence of it right there. Always be prepared to give an answer. So if, if you are a Christ follower and you've ever tried to share Christ with someone, I think there's a fear there. And, and it's, a de- it's a debilitating fear that keeps us from outreach. And the problem with that is we don't share because the fear becomes so overwhelming that they're going to ask us a question that we don't know how to answer. And so thousands of years ago, First Peter was written in order to prepare us for that fear, and that is for us to be ready. And so the field of apologetics is based on that word, right, to make a defense, to give a reason, and it is a Greek word called apologia. And so somebody fancy at one point in time took it and called it apologetics. It has no relation or uh, etymology with our word for uh, apologizing. So we're not apologizing that we are Bible-believing Christians. And, and in cancel culture, they, they do want us to apologize for everything. But we're not going to be apologizing today when we talk about apologetics. What we're really doing is we're talking about the reasons or the defense for why Scripture and following Jesus Christ is true. Now, there's a lot of different ways to go about that. Um, for example, I, I, I love um, kind of the apologetics going through uh, biblical archaeology. You know, it's like, okay, you look at any scriptural text outside of the Judeo-Christian narrative, and it's like, okay, well, what kind of mountains or places or kingdoms or rivers or streams or battles or grave sites are actually real in real mm-hmm. life? You flip to any page in the Bible and it mentions somebody dying or it mentions that somebody made an altar or it talks about how, you know, there was a, a great battle or a kingdom or a, a mountain. And, and guess what? Like, you don't have to fly to Israel to see that. You can pull it up on Google Maps right there and boom, while yeah. you're reading the Bible, it comes alive. And so that is just one little teeny example of how powerful apologetics can be, because when you're reading these stories, they're actually based in reality in a real physical location yeah the, there's a historicity to it that can't be denied for any any person that wants to go study and look at it i i can look at these kings that existed here they are in scripture i can look at these places and kingdoms that existed here they are in scripture right so 100 percent agree with you on that fantastic mm-hmm. so apologetics is wonderful when we live in that amazing world where non-believers are coming up to believers and and asking, hey, why do you believe what you believe? (laughs) And you can tell my voice is getting a little sarcastic because, you know, here we are, we're living in a post-modern Christian world where we're supposed to be quiet, like I already said. So nobody's asking. Nobody's asking whatsoever. Actually, they're telling us to be quiet, don't share anything because it's all antiquated and it has no relevance to reality today. Well, l- let me ask you, let me stop you there for a second because okay. you bring up a good point. Like, why aren't they asking? You know, what what's the deal? I mean, is Christianity lost its relevance? Is it lost its, you know, its, its, you know, its thunder? I mean, what's going on? Well, Christianity doesn't tickle the fancy of pop culture. And mm-hmm. pop culture is constantly changing. Pop culture is is constantly being validated by our feels. Oh, I feel this way. Therefore, it's the new truth. Well, Jesus mm-hmm. is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's from the book of Hebrews. And so when you talk about an unchanging objective truth, it becomes extremely offensive to our feelings. Mm-hmm. 
And when we live in a pop culture that is moving more and more towards the validating of shifting sand as truth, the gospel becomes offensive. The gospel becomes something that needs to go away. And so, yeah, according to pop culture, according to the way that pop culture thinks, yes, the Bible is irre- irrelevant because it, it doesn't affirm my shifting feelings every second. Mm. It, it, it actually is a firm foundation back to the beginning of time that is consistent with reality and consistent with science, by the way. Um, but our feels in a pop culture world uh, don't like that. And so you you kind of transitioned, you know, you and I were talking earlier on, and you kind of have a precursor, you know, kind of a second hinge to apologetics itself that you kind of came up with. If you can explain that. So I will. Let's let's take um, a parking lot, right? Let's say you want to be a farmer, okay? You're not going to go out there and sprinkle a bunch of seeds onto pavement. What you what are you gonna do, Steve? If if you own a parking lot and you wanna be a farmer. Well, I know how I'm gonna hire somebody to do. <laughs> I'm too old to do that anymore, man. Somebody with a strong back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you need to break up that layer of concrete in order to get to the right. soil. And so that's that's the uh, the issue that we're having right now with apologetics. You know, the first Peter three fifteen approach of of waiting for somebody to ask for the reasons, they're not asking, you know why? Because they already have really good reasons in their mind to the answers of the deep questions of life. And so when you try to put something in the same place at the same time, it breaks the laws of physics. The same thing is true when it comes to philosophical thought, theological thought. If there is something that has a stronghold in someone's heart or in their mind, you cannot put something else there. It has to be broken down. It has to be destroyed. So then it takes us to 2 Corinthians 10.5. And let me just open it up here real quick and read it to you. 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captivity, every thought, to make it obedient to Christ. So when you're dealing with people that have ideas and philosophies that actually stand against the knowledge of God, that actually are not obedient to Christ— we can't put something that aligns itself with the knowledge of God or is obedient to Christ in that place until we do what Second Corinthians said and demolish it, just like the parking lot. We can't plant a seed until we demolish the asphalt on top of it. And so I think of apologetics as planting seeds, as putting in these good reasons, always be being prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, which is great, much like that biblical archaeology. But the thing about it is, if somebody believes that something is false, you can't give them that good reason yet. So what we want to do is we want to look at 2 Corinthians 10.5, and that word demolish in Greek is katharejo, right? And katharejo means to take down. It's, it wasn't translated the best into demolish because we, we, we love Joseph of Arimathea. He, he was uh, part of the Sanhedrin and he asked for Jesus's body. And so he went up to the cross after Jesus was crucified and he katharejoed the body of Christ. He took it down. Now, what Joseph of Arimathea did it is very different from the word demolish that we see in Second Corinthians. So that's what we have to do. We have to gently take down these ideas that are causing people to to to, to not accept the renewing of their mind in Christ. That, that that actually stand against the knowledge of God. But we have to do it in a loving way so that they will still be in our lives, so that we can plant the seed 
through apologetics, the, mm. the seed of the gospel. Mm. And so um, what we do is we, we, we try to chat with people through their deep questions. And we try to show them, hey, you know what? That seems like a good reason, right? But does it follow logic? Does it follow science? Is mm. it consistent? Because when we start to look at other deep questions of life, all of a sudden now we've got huge conflicting ideas mm. when you answer. And, and the only way to answer the deep questions of life without a, a conflicting answer, without um, inconsistency of thought, is through the person of Jesus Christ. Mm. I, I want to talk a little bit more about that on the other side of the break, um, because it's 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 fascinating, this trail and kind of how it goes. Um, but I, I want to pick your brain about some things. Hey, you're listening to Shouts of Grace. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shouts of Grace, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill or Pastor Steve, visit our website at rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's broadcast. Welcome back to the program. I am in studio today with Willie Harath. Is it is that how we said it in the first part? Harath. <laughs> um, um, is is a, a newer friend of mine and we're um and, and we're just discussing this whole topic of apologetics and and this um this this kind of thing that, that Willie had come up with about um, when when somebody makes an argument um, in their mind and they shat and and you know any any time a thought um, takes root and it becomes a stronghold or an argument it ultimately becomes a stronghold or a fortress is really what that that word there is in Second Corinthians ten um, and and fortresses are just what they sound like they're they're very fortified they're 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 ingrained and you got to really you know be able to n- not just you know, hit it, but you got to hit it continually before it ever comes down. And, and because it's, it's taken a lot. And I think sometimes, you know, when, when it comes to this idea of a thought becoming an argument, becoming a stronghold, um, that progression, um, you know, we don't realize how long that takes for somebody to think a certain way. We just think they woke up one day, read a book and they changed their whole mind. And usually what happens is you get a thought and then you start to solidify that thought with arguments and you start to allow different inputs, whether it's, you know, books that you read or people, you know, philosophies that you agree with. In the end of the day, when you get to the point of being a stronghold, it is a solidified, you know, just belief that you have. And so you were talking before the break, how, how before we bring the gospel in, you know, we, we got to kind of simultaneously or, or, you know, you know, bring this other thought down so that there's room or there's space for that. And so I guess, I guess my first question would be, you know, at what point in this, or maybe it's through all of it, you know, is, does scripture come in as the object of truth to combat ultimately what this person is believing? Like, is there a, a point in which, is it threw it out at all? Um, is it just, is it meeting, you know, philosophy with philosophy, you know, just, you have a different philosophy than theirs. And so like, at what point do you as an apologist say this here, the word of God is the power. How do you do that in this, in this? Great question. You don't want to lead somebody on and and make them think that you're just some like philosophical guru. Yeah. You're, you're here to hang out, bro. Like, yeah, yeah, your way. Like, you do you, bro. Like, that's the last thing you want to do as somebody who is sharing the gospel. So what I like to do is just be open and honest right out the gate. I'm like, okay, hey, you know, 
We're talking about deep questions. We're probably not going to see eye to eye on all this stuff. I have a biblical worldview. I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I believe it's true. And I can give you reasons why. I know you're probably snickering because, you know, it talks about God creating the universe. And, you know, it's like, obviously, scientifically speaking, everybody believes that evolution did and that there was no, you know, supernatural process in that. And so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe that's what you think. But I believe the exact opposite. And if if you're willing and able to listen to me, talk about what I believe, I'm going to be willing and able to listen to you and and hear what you believe. And and we can talk about the reasons and the logic and and the consistency of our thought. And uh, I I hope through our time that um, maybe we can uh, learn from each other and and, and see which worldview, which answer Mm. to these deep questions really makes the most sense. You you know, you bring up up something interesting because I think, you know, a, a lot of times... You know, I, I know when I moved to Utah, um, you know, I was told certain things. Obviously, the predominant culture here in Utah is 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 Mormonism, right? And so I was told certain things. Oh, this is what you're going to expect, you know, and none of it turned out to be true, right? But but I think, you know, for me, I grew up, out, I grew up outside of the context of Mormon beliefs, Mormon thought, Mormon teaching. If you're listening to your RLDS, um, you know, I just want to let you know th- this is a problem for a lot of a lot of believers in Jesus Christ when it comes to how they interact with you. And that is they view you as a theology that needs to be crushed because of our differences rather than a person made in the image of God who needs to be loved. And so, you know, for me, I say, look, you know, I'm not going to hide the differences. They're obviously there, but I like what you're saying. Cause what you're saying is, look, I don't, I don't have to treat a person, you know, with, you know, like they're inferior because we don't believe the exact same things about every little thing. Let's sit down and let's talk. Let's be kind to one another. Let's just, you know, the whole part of gentleness and respect. If, mm-hmm. if that's the precursor to any, to any conversation you have, it, can you not expect the person on the receiving end of that, that they're being validated as a person who is intelligent, smart, they've thought out their, you know, thought out their, their reasons for what they believe. I mean, nobody here is suggesting if you believe that God doesn't exist, that you have arrived at those conclusions based on the fact that you're just completely ignorant and dumb and stupid. And, you know, intellectually, you know, you're just, you're, you're, you know, just, not even have, you don't have a brain in your head. There's a lot of smart intellectually people that arrive at conclusions that are different than Christianity. But I believe, you know, in part, it's because there's a spiritual blindness that covers their eyes and they're not mm-hmm. able to see. So what you're saying is really important for us, you know, that it kind of, the door is a mutual respect. I'm going to sit down and treat you like a human being, you know, talk about the necessity because we're, you know, we got about four, four, four minutes left, five minutes left in, in, in part one. I want to talk about these questions you were talking about and how you interact in part two. But, but talk about the necessity to people that might be listening who are believers, to people that are listening that wouldn't call themselves in the Christian camp at all. Mm-hmm. Why is that so important? Well, the, the number one reason why people walk away from their faith, according to a, a Pew Research study, is Believing that there is some way to explain why creation is here, why life is here, without a divine intervention, right? So if we can explain that scientifically, then why do we need a creating God, right? And, mm-hmm. and why does the Bible start with creation? Because that's where it started. And, and God created everything, and this is his world, and so therefore we have to go by his playbook. The second reason why people walk away from their faith is because of 
Christians not acting like Christians, mm. people being extremely judgmental, uh, and also um, being hypocritical. And so, and that's the thing is, is I just want to say out to anybody who is a non-believer, and if you've interacted with a Christian and you've been burnt, I just want to say that is that human being human and being a bad reflection of Christ. I have been a bad reflection of Christ many times in my life, and I, I, I hate it. And so I think as a, a believer, we need to be looking at the clarity of our mirror, right? Do we have dead bugs in our mirror? Do we have sneezes on our mirror? Because we're, we're, we're here to reflect the image of God. Mm. And that goes back to creation as well. And so the two major reasons why people walk away from their faith, um, we, can, we can change that by actually obeying Christ and, and, and loving people through the process. So mm. uh, sitting down with somebody, even though we don't agree with them, that's rare in, in any field, even when you're not talking about philosophy, theology, or faith. Like even if, let's say, you're a vegetarian and I'm a carnivore, right? Like we would need to sit down and talk about that. In a, in a nice, loving way. And I think that's rare just across the board in general. And so mm. to, to be a, a person that is more reflective of how you were designed to be, I think we need to turn to Christ to see what he did. Like when he interacted with sinners, he was welcomed. Mm. He was worshiped. Like it says that Jesus mm. was, was known to be friends with known sinners. Now, were they on like pins and needles the whole time being frustrated with him? No, because he was loving them. Mm. You know, there's, I, I love that because probably one of my most favorite scenes anywhere in the New Testament is in Matthew nine, when Jesus goes, you know, after he meets Matthew, the tax collector, he goes back and he's sitting and it says, and he's reclining at the table with tax collectors and sinners, right? The, the idea that's, that's expressed there reclining means Jesus wasn't uncomfortable around the people that needed him the most, right? Mm. And here's Amen. what's interesting. When the, when, the, when the legalistic Pharisees came on the scene, they said, how could you be eating with these people? You know, and, and this is what I love. And so I need the listeners to hear this. What we're saying is exactly what takes place there. Jesus says to those people, it is not the healthy that need a physician. It's the sick. I have not come, call, come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. So here's Jesus sitting in the 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 you know the room with sinners reclining comfortable there's no indication he's like oh my gosh i got to get out of here what am i going to do he's comfortable yet he has no problem referring to them as sinners so he's not holding the truth back but he's comfortable in the presence and i think i i think a lot of work willie can be done when christians realize look at your, your social clubs and your Christian clubs and all the stuff you do to seclude yourself from the world that Jesus called you to go out and to win, you can go out and you're not compromising by being comfortable in the in the presence of people that mm -hmm. you're called to win over, and you don't have to compromise the mess. Compromise the message. You could still you could still say that. in the last minute that we have left. Talk about how important it is to not compromise the message while we're doing exactly what you say. Mm -hmm. Amen. So I think the, the number one goal is for us to uh, tell the truth at all times, but then also do what Jesus did, you know, go out into these, you know, situations where you're going to be hanging out with non-believers that seem kind of uncomfortable. But I think when we read these scriptures, we also notice that the, the sinners themselves felt comfortable around Jesus. That's right. And they felt very welcomed by him. But yet it says that Jesus was with known sinners, yet he was without sin. Right. So I, I, I don't want uh, 
this to become a, a you know a sloppy grace episode where right. it's like hey Christians go out and just hang out with sinners all the time right. well no 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 see Jesus was able to do that without sin and so we need to be strong in our faith enough to do this so if you don't feel comfortable going out and partying with sinners you probably <laughs> shouldn't if yeah, you amen. end up falling into that amen hey we're out of time I want to continue this conversation on the next episode of Shouts of Grace so uh, tune in next week God bless you and thank you for listening Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope that you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At ShoutsOfGraceRadio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.